Welcome to Way Family Church. You're listening to our sermon podcast. Way Family Church is a new church plant in Tucson, Arizona. We welcome you to join us every Sunday morning at 1030 for worship, the word, and fellowship. If you'd like more information, visit us online at wayfamily.church. What is life? But a series of seasons. Really think about that. Life is composed of one season after the next after the next, after the next, and so on and so forth. In fact, today we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and the opening verse says that for everything there's a season and a time for every matter, so seasons kind of are a part of time. We're going to be looking at the issue of time today. Again, Ecclesiastes, there's two voices in the book. There's one of that narrator, the one who introduces the preacher or the teacher, and then there's the teacher. The preacher himself who we believe is Solomon, the great and wise king of Israel, who delivers these, this, these insights right, of life. And he's really thinking deeply about what life is and what it isn't and what we should consider as we walk through it. And so even as we continue here, the, the, I think the theme is the same. Everything is meaningless without Jesus. Everything is meaningless if you live a life that's apart from God. And so the word that Ecclesiastes uses is a life under the sun, meaning a life that is completely separated from the Creator. It's to say an atheistic perspective. It's to say something where we say God doesn't matter, God isn't here, He doesn't exist. Or if He does, He's distant and completely unpersonal. That is life under the sun. It's the naturalistic point of view. It's to say... It's just, this natural world is all there is. And so in that regard, we can say that even time is meaningless without God, without Jesus. And I think it's safe to say that we're all trapped in time. We're all dealing with the issue of time. We all experience and have the same amount of time. And sometimes we say, I wish I had the kind of time that person does, right? But the fact of the matter is we mean some difference because there's only 24 hours in a day, 365 days in a week. We all have the same amount of, did I say 365 days in a week? (laughs) She caught me. She starts laughing. 365 days in a year. We all have the same amount of time, right? And so therefore, we do our best to adequately deal with the issue of time. Time is another thing or subject to that the preacher looks into and says, my favorite word, hevel, vanity, meaningless, hevel like a vapor, something ungraspable, empty. Time is empty if you separate yourself from God. If you live a life that is totally unreliant, you don't acknowledge God, then your time is vanity, hevel. Let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 15 today. It's very poetic in the way it was written. It says, a time for everything. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Check this out. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, 
a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him that which is already has been and which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. What a beautiful portion of scripture. This is really something that makes us think, I hope, because sometimes I get distracted by little phrases or words, just in life in general. My wife can tell you, yes, it's so true. Sometimes she'll even just say but a word or a single phrase, and I get a little tune in my head because someone's written a song about that. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how you can't get satisfaction in this life apart from the Lord. And instinctively, I can't get, no, you know, you just start singing that tune. And so I don't know if you experience what I do, but when I read this portion of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3, there's this par the particular tune that comes to mind as well. Turn, turn, right, the birds. Yeah. Right? You, do, you guys, do you guys know that song? I'm not, I'm not that old, you know? It's a time for, well, I'm going to spare you that, okay? I'm here to serve you, not to burden you. <clears throat> But there's that song, and it's a beautiful tune, isn't it? I would say it's a happy-go-lucky tune. It's a jam. You could say, that's my jam. I love that song. Did you know that all but six words of that song are straight out of the passage from Ecclesiastes? And did you know that the birds actually, because of the, that, they send the, a lot of the proceeds to Israel for that song? I had to learn that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's good. Give, give, give honor where honor is due, right? Give credit where credit is due. But again, I don't think that when you read this passage, is meant to be thought of with that happy-go-lucky jolly tune. I don't think that these words are something to jam to. Really, you think about it. I don't think that that was the intention that Solomon had when he wrote this, this four, these 14 things here to really consider deeply. In fact, there's another song that I recently came across, and I told you that I've been venturing into the world of country a little bit, right? There's this, this band, it's an older band now, called Hootie and the Blowfish. I really like their, their sound. It's kind of jamming, right? And then I came across a song called Time. Have you heard that one? That song was, I think, a little bit more depressing than what we read from here because he, he kind of explains time to be a burden, a problem more than anything. And this is definitely not a happy-go-lucky song. This is something that you uh, kind of listen to when you're feeling like, man, you're really experiencing the pressures of time. That song is about the punishment of time. That song is about how it terrorizes, it crushes dreams, it causes tears to fall. Time brings all kinds of pain and sadness into life. This is the focus of that song. It is an enemy and not a friend. It points to the fact that time ages us, doesn't really help us. 
I was pretty you know, thinking, well, that's a downer of a song. But hey, someone was feeling it and they put it into a song. And so considering that, consider that song versus the one by the birds, I'm thinking, yeah, I think, I think Solomon meant something a little bit more like this, more like Hootie and the Blowfish, where we're to consider the actual effects of time in a way that's really deep. And considering the fact that time under the sun, meaning apart from the Lord, truly is meaningless, is not actually our friend, it's our enemy. It could be because it's been imposed on us. We're only but able to respond to it. We can't control it. Time is fleeting and it's filled with sorrow. It is hevel, meaningless apart from the Lord. And I know that we've all felt this. I know that uh, we've all perhaps at one point or another said, where has time gone? Where, where did my time go? You know, I just don't have enough hours in the day. I keep saying I don't have enough days in my week. Here comes Monday, and then it's Sunday. Where's everything in between? That's what it feels like, right? I've got to make the most out of my time, we say, because we know that it's fleeting and it's a precious resource. It doesn't slow down. And the older that we get, the faster it seems to go, doesn't it? And when the moments of enjoyment come around, they are cut short by the next moment, or to say the next season that follows. My wife and I experienced a beautiful time up in Pine Top. And when we were there, it was the first day we were like, ah, this is nice. And then it was the time to go. We're thinking, has it been that long already? And we were honestly disappointed. And it's not that we don't love you, didn't want to be here, but we just we really enjoyed that time. And it was cut short by the next season, the next season being we have to come home and go back to normal or if there is a normal, you know. But that's, that's just the reality of time. It doesn't seem, seem to slow down. But if you're young, it's actually quite the opposite. If you're young, time seems to drag. Time seems to be a very slow thing. You say, I can't wait for time to pass by. I can't wait to grow up so that I can have more freedom, so that I can have more control of my time, so that I can do more things, and so that I have the time to do what I want. But then you're an adult and then you experience time differently. It's meaningless. It's a vanity. It's hevel. It's something that we just can't get a hold of. It's frustrating. Time is frustrating. Why is that? Well, maybe there's something that we need to know about, and of course there is. There's a, moment, there's a portion here that's really a, a, a just reserved for that time to think about it. And, and, and I think that if we consider this world under the sun apart from the Lord, then we're going to miss time. We're going to lose it. We're going to actually miss the blessing that it is to just even have some time. You know? But if we separate ourselves from the Lord, then I think that we can all conclude exactly what the preacher is saying here. We can agree and say time is meaningless apart from the Lord. So why don't we look at that for, for a brief moment. Let's look at the meaningless of time apart from the Lord. Because if this world is all there is, then there is, and there's no God, you're thinking of the world atheistically or agnostic or whatever it means you're just not really in relationship with he who created all things. If you're just thinking of the natural world, as many people in our society do think, then you will conclude that a lot of what happens and a lot of what we do really just doesn't matter. We just keep doing it in cycles. The purpose behind it kind of begins to fade. We do things and then we die and nothing has meaning and nothing will satisfy. 
You know, that's, that's just the reality. And it's frustrating. And Solomon, the preacher, wants us to think deeply and to really try to understand the inevitable cycles of life and the foolishness of trying to live life apart from the Lord. Because the reality of time and seasons are truly out of our control. We have no control of it as much as we like to think that we can control our time. We really don't have control over it. All we can do is respond to the things that life brings. The preacher says in verse 1, for everything there's a season and a time, for every matter under heaven. That means that whether you like that season or not, you might actually have to live through it. There's a time that's allocated for that and it's out of your control. This is nothing to be excited about apart from the Lord. This is nothing that we can say, yeah, you know, or like this real, I think the tune from turn, turn, turn might be a little bit inappropriate with the message that's actually behind it. In fact, we need to be taking this a little bit more as a warning. Time is fleeting. You gotta think about what's going on here. Beware of upcoming seasons, be prepared. It is summer now, getting into the fall, but winter is coming. I know for Arizona, that's a good thing, right? But there are seasons for everything. It's, I, I, in fact, I should have said, uh, the summer's coming again, you know? It's, it's terrible here. <clears throat> we can say it's summer now, but then it'll be coming here soon again. The cycle of life is inevitable. Life moves from one season to the next, from one activity to the next. And then we're giving a list here that we see, a beautiful list here, 14 things that life brings with time. 14 opposite pairings, if you've noticed, right? Pairings meant to paint a complete picture of the realities of life. What isn't covered under these things, these things that Solomon listed for us? It's a full range of the human experience. Let's look at it briefly. It says there's a time to be born and a time to die. Those are bookends right there. And everything else will fall right in between that. And what's the statistic? 99.98% of people die with the exception of Elijah and Enoch or something like that, right? It's, we are going to face that at one point. That's something inevitable. We are born and then there's a time for us to die. This statement is a reminder of the frailty of life. You got to remember, I don't have even the control to guarantee my life the next day and so on and so forth. It has already been appointed for us to have a beginning and an end. So we often just say with attempts for comfort, death is just a part of life. Yeah, it's true, but that's not the way it was meant to be. That's not the way that the Lord really intended, but sin into the world, and that was a consequence of our sin. It was um, what happened because sin into the world, not because that was what the Lord had originally intended. God created life, and death is an enemy that reminds us that we live under a cursed world. Human life ends under the sun. Remember that. That's just a reality. So does plant life. He says there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Now, if all goes well and you're a gardener in Tucson, you might plant something and you might have a harvest. Or if you're like us, we plant something and we just see it die. <laughs> right? Plants also have a beginning and the end. And even if it's a fruitful plant, I, I, I lived in Bakersfield, California for a little bit. There's, it's called the, the grapevine. There's a lot of uh, farming communities there, even dairy farms there. And the fact of the matter is that you have seasons where the almond orchards look beautiful. And then there's other seasons where they literally look like they're upside down. 
Do you remember that? Like these almond trees looked like they were uprooted and upside down. Everything has an end in this life. This life under the sun means as there is a beginning, there will be an end. Nothing will last forever. There's also, verse 3 says, a time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time for self-defense. There's a time for war. There's a time for capital punishment. There's a time for these things that we just not necessarily... I don't think we should be a fan of these things to kill, you know what I mean? But in the context that we read here, I think that it might have more to do with an agricultural reference. And if we consider it this way, I think it's a little bit helpful. Farmers nourish their animals to health. If they're ill, if they're injured, you will see them nurse their animals to health. And then in their due time, it's time to slaughter them. You consider that. There's a time for everything. Verse 4, there's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Life is full of marriages, celebrations, but also funerals. Right? It's just part of life. There's moments where we celebrate. We grad, our kids grow, grow up. They graduate. They meet milestones. And there's moments where we just think, why, Lord? You know? It's just, there's a time for everything. Verse 5, there's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. Now, if you read this, do you understand what this means? Because I had to kind of scratch my head and I said, what does this actually mean? And so I did a little bit of a study here and it was actually quite fascinating. My reaction was, what is this even? What does it mean cast stones and collect them and whatnot? This is actually a reference to strategy. The ancient Israel world used this and so it made perfect sense for them. Here's the thing, if you were invading or if you were under a, a moment of war, every, every Israelite would gather a stone and chuck it to their fields of the enemy because then it makes those fields unworkable. If you were a landlord and your tenant wasn't paying you rent, you could actually put stone, you could cast stones onto the fields and make the land unworkable. And then there's a time to gather stones together so that that land is workable and so that you work it and you start building something out of it or producing something out of it. Isn't that helpful to understand? There's a time to be strategic in life. There's a time to be patient and there's a time to prepare to be able to do something with it. And you can read about that, by the way, in 2 Kings chapter 3 and also in Isaiah chapter 5, that the, the idea of casting stones and clearing them up. Verse 5, there's a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. Now, I had a gal pal. Someone here taught me that word. And she was literally a friend, nothing more, from seventh grade up until the day I got married. That's the last time I seen her. Before I got married, this friend of mine comes with me always. So I embraced that friendship and then the Lord blessed me with my wife. In fact, that was the last time I've seen her. It was on my wedding day. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. We all will experience that where we have certain friendships or relationships that you embrace for a while and then the time comes where you have to move away from that. And that's just part of life under the sun, right? There's a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. There's a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. We were just in Esther. What a beautiful example there about a time to sow and a time to tear. Like Mordecai, when he was grieving, he tore his garments in, in as an expression of lament. And then you have to repair those garments, right? Esther, there was a time for her to actually speak up. It was not necessarily her place. Or you might have thought, this is a really crazy and risky time, but there's a time for us to step out and do what we are called to do. Esther was silent until the time to speak up to speak up presented itself. There's a time for these things all under the sun. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Again, all of this is an expression of the human experience. 
That's just what we have here in life, right? We all go through a form of these. And again, I think that these are all meant for us to think deeply about life. These allude to a frustration of life under the sun. Time is hevel. It's vanity. It's ungraspable. Check this. What if we, what if we read these differently? What if, the, what if we read these a little bit more according to the life that we live in this modern world? What would it be? Like, would it, would it hit different? For example, what if I said, there's a time for healthy pregnancy and a time for miscarriage? It makes you think, doesn't it? There's a time where you can have fun with your kids and there's a time where they're too cool for you. You know? There's a time where your children think of you as their hero and they look up to you and they want answers from you. And then there's a time they hate you and they're annoyed by you and they want nothing to do with you. That's life under the sun. There's a time for chemotherapy and there's a time for remission. If we think about this, it's like, why, why does it have to be like this, right? It hits different. There's a time where you have more than enough for groceries and you can go to restaurants and you can go do fun things and there's a time where you can't even afford a gallon of gas. That's life under the sun, Amen. you know? There's a time for companionship and then there's also times where you're widowed. That's life under the sun. This is un- out of our control. And we read it like that, doesn't it hit differently? And that's essentially what Solomon's saying is, we, we're in the confines of time and it's vanity. So we, we really need to think about this. It puts us in a position where, yeah, if we think about it that way, we echo the preacher and we say, yeah, it's true. Well, there's there's got to be something more, you see? that th- These are the things that time throws at us and we can only but react to them. We are victims of time in this sense. We really don't have control over anything, but we really like to think so. Like we wear a helmet when we ride our bike. We think, oh, we're safe now. We buckle up in the car, we think, oh, we're safe now. We do, you know, like eat the organic food or use coconut butter or whatever oil. And we think we're good now, right? We, we save for a nice retirement and we think I'm good now. Now these are just things to make us think that we have some kind of control. But time is something that we're just subjected to. We do all of these prudent things and yes, they are prudent, but the things only cause us to think we have control. We don't actually, it's heaven, vanity. Verse 9, Solomon says, What gain has the worker from his toil? In other words, what advantage do we have in this world apart from God? Everything that we just read there from verse 8 or 2 to 8, it cancels each other out. Let's do some math. 14 pluses followed by 14 negatives. That equals nothing. Huh. Hevel, right? Every birth leads to death. Every planted crop is pulled up. Every building is eventually condemned or or dropped. Every celebration is followed by a funeral and every moment of peace gives away uh, away to war. That is hevel. Nothing is gained. There's got to be more than this. This can't be it because life this way is frustrating. And that's the second part of this portion. I think that that frustration is actually from the Lord. Your frustration should drive you to trust God. Your frustration should drive you to see and consider what more is there. There's got to be more to this life. There's something more. And usually when we put our brains into motion, that leads us to the Lord. That really causes us to think, what else is there? Remember, God imposed a curse as a consequence of Adam's rebellion. You know, and now we experience the burden of work and it wasn't supposed to be like that. But our frustration is therefore God enforced 
it, and it is a burden that he found it fit for us to experience. Why? For what purpose? Well, the preacher now shifts from the perspective of life under the sun to a life with God. And when God is present, now there's purpose. Now we have deep meaning. He says in verse 10 through 11, I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has also made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity to, into man's heart. We think there's more to this. There's definitely something else. So even though sometimes the burden of work is, you know, stinky, Bam, man, those pumpkins are ripe. You can make a nice pumpkin pie and you can, you can just savor it. Isn't it so good? At least for that moment, we're going to enjoy it. We're going to love it. And we're going to just be, be happy with the pleasure of the, the produce of our toil. And that's a gift from God. If we think about it, God, thank you that even in our sinful nature, you have given us the blessing to be able to experience joy, to be able to experience the beauty of things. And then it says, yet so that no one or so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to end. This is kind of an attitude of a childlike. You know, when my kids were little, they used to ask, Dad, this, Dad, that's what? And I would give them an answer, and one in particular would say, how do you know? How do you know? Or why? 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 We don't have all, we, we don't have the ability to comprehend the whys to everything. We're like little children in the Father's hands, you know. He, he does all these things for, in our lives, and we know that there's, there's meaning and purpose, and sometimes all we can say is, why? But when we acknowledge the Father for who He is, and we know the goodness that He is, we can have total faith that it's meaningful and it means something, and that He's allowed it for us to be able to benefit from it. It has meaning. Now, I want to tell you something about time. Because it's very important. Now, you guys know that the Old Testament was originally written in the Hebrew, yes? yes. Now, the, then it was translated into the Greek. That's called the Septuagint. You guys didn't know that word, maybe? Okay. In the Septuagint, you read Ecclesiastes, there's two words for time. There's chronos and kairos. I'll say chronos and kairos often. If I mispronounce it, forgive me. Chronos is a linear time. Tick, tock, tick, tock. It's what you're accustomed to when you check your watch, when you check your clock. That is the time we find most familiar, meaning successive or sequential time. Does that make sense? We get the word chronology from this word. That's that kind of time. The word uh, kairos is an event. It's an opportunity or a moment, let's say, that when the internal God breaks into our circumstances, and it is meaningful. So in the Kronos, in that linear Kronos, there's a Kairos moment, a moment that matters. It is an important moment. It is a learning moment. It is a moment that you will never forget, like your wedding day, like the birth of your child, like maybe a confrontation whereby you learned something. Maybe there was reconciliation. Maybe there was restoration. A Kairos moment is so meaningful. These are the moments where God breaks into our circumstances and he takes the loose ends of life and with his perfect hands, he mends them and puts them together and makes something beautiful out of them. That, my friends, has total meaning. It has total purpose, right? And if we actually consider what, what, what word did Solomon use here, Kronos or Kairos, he uses Kairos. There's meaning to all of these moments in life. 
you know, and if we consider who the Lord Jesus and what he does, everything in his life had purpose and intention. We'll look at that here in a second. Then the preacher goes on to say, I perceive that, that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil, because if we consider that there's meaning and purpose in every moment of life, then we should rejoice. We should enjoy it because we know we can trust that God's doing something beautiful in life. This time is no longer meaningless. It's meaningful. And then Solomon concludes this lesson about time in verse 14 and 15. He says that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added or taken away from God's sovereign work in the world. He his plans cannot be changed and his purposes for us, for us are specific and they're intentional and they're meaningful and they're loving and they're perfect. So the frustrations we experience in this life should cause us to look to him, to revere him and to trust him, to say, God, I don't know what's going on here. I can ask why, but I know that you intended this. I know that this moment, this Kairos moment in my time is important. And this is the key to Ecclesiastes. Because if we separate ourselves from God, the living God, then everything is meaningless. But if we run to him, if we bow at his feet, if we revere him, then everything matters. It has purpose, it has meaning, and even our work is blessed. Even the burden of life becomes a blessing. You know, look at Romans 8:28. Paul says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Yes, I like that passage. That's a good one. But there's more. Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Oh, conformed. What does that mean? That is a process of being sanctified, of being refined to be conformed to Christ-likeness. This means we will experience painful times, but they're necessary. These are the things that produce, that harvest Christ-likeness. And so therefore we ought to trust the Lord and be confident that in his appointed time, whatever the event may be, he's conforming us to the image of Christ. So that, that matters. Now you guys know that there was 400 years between the Testaments, right? The old and the new. Silence, we can say. And then after that, we read something like Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions of time, as sons. That, that time, that moment in time, very important, very meaningful. You see, at the right time, God sent his son Jesus into this cursed world to experience all the times and seasons that we do. He is not foreign to what we feel. He is not foreign to what we experience. You see, Jesus felt all of this. He lived all of this. Check this out. There was a time for Jesus to be born. There was a time for him to heal the sick. Remember those moments? There was a time for him to build up. What do you mean to build up faith? Build up a church? Build up a community of believers, of people who would imitate him, disciples? There is a time for him to tear down these preconceived notions or ideas of the law. Wow. There is a time for him to even party with sinners. And there was a time for him to uh, weep at his friend's grave. And there was a time for him to be born. And as the time for him to be born came, so did the time for him to die. He experienced all of those things. And you know what? Every single one of those moments mattered. And they still matter today. Amen. 
That, my friends, was not meaningless. And if we're being conformed to Christ-likeness, Christ-likeness, then everything that happens to you today also matters. For you are a witness. What happens to you could serve you to serve others, to talk to them about life and how to endure and how to trust the Lord. Everything matters when we live for Christ. Amen. He entered into this world. He took on the pain and suffering that comes from it. And then he took on the curse of sin upon himself, which was actually through a tool of execution and death, and he turned that into a means of salvation. Everything that Christ did matters. As Christ endured much, that we would be saved and experience genuine joy, we too are given purpose and meaning through Jesus Christ. If life, if all there is is life under the sun, heaven. But the moment we live for Christ, we experience his salvation, and there's meaning, there's joy, there's restoration, there's sanctification, there's purpose. So I challenge you, friends, do you know him? Have you met him? Meet him face to face, revere the Lord, for he is who draws you into meaningful life and a meaningful, purposeful, just relationship with everything. And so with that, I hope that you see heaven until the Lord comes, right? Then there's meaning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, for your word today, Lord. For the insight and the wisdom that we have here. Your servant. I pray that this would not just uh, be something we think about now, but regularly, Lord. You would help us live to the fullest, live a life full of meaning, purpose. Lord Jesus, help us. Equip us, Father, to continue making that difference. To live a life, Father. Kairos moments, moments that matter, moments where you come in and you make something beautiful out of ashes. Use this, Lord, according to your will and your purposes. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.